This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. First up today, we are trying to understand really what has led up to the recent drama with Dun Taib Mahmud and what might happen next. Now, I think... So he's been in the news a lot lately. That's a bit of an understatement. But there was a very dramatic moment that was reported, is it last week by now? Um, when essentially he was allegedly abducted from a hospital. Initially, it was reported by a family member. Uh, later on, I think it turned out that there was, um, well, people from the hospital said essentially that it was a second wife, uh, Ragat Kurditaib, who kind of went in and... Uh, extracted him from the ICU. Yeah, so he, she essentially unplugged him. I mean, all this drama, interestingly enough, comes at a time of the transition in yeah. Srawa. And oh, there was very little, actually, from Taib Mahmud's side, a man who had served, uh, you know, 33 years as chief minister and then some 10 years or so as the governor. And so um, his... His lack of a kind of response to, you know, the, the process, I think, was kind of interesting. And it was one of the kind of elephants in the room during that time. But we saw a smooth transition. We've got a new a governor of Srawa. But the question remains, because of what happened on the 5th of February, uh, the drama that has been sort of boiling, uh, you know, on the back, uh, the back uh, kind of hub of uh, Srawa politics, that's been going ongoing for some time. Yeah, okay. You've already mentioned that he was in power for a very long time. I think that is, if you are new to the name Taib Mahmud, then that's something very important for you to know. Uh, the other kind of key point that people need in order to, I think, just roughly understand the outline of the story is that he is very wealthy. He's worth billions. And um, because of that, and because of a relatively new um, marriage, because there are different people now in terms of things like inheritance, um, that's part, I think, of what's muddying the water. That's part of the conversation around potential conflicts within the family. So, I mean, these are the things that colour um, the story. Because otherwise, of course... Um, like you said, we've already had a smooth transition of power. Yeah, colour is exactly what this story yeah. brings to it. You know, the the otherwise uh, story of Srawa, you know, today, which is a, a resurgent Srawa, confident but where it is in the Federation, demanding renegotiation of the terms of the Malaysian Agreement 1963, and so on and so forth. All that is all the kind of positive stuff that Srawa has been putting forward. This is kind of a, the, the side drama that maybe, you know, more akin to kind of not slanding and the Falcon Crest for people who remember that uh, TV series from the 80s. So we're going to be talking um, after this with somebody who has been covering it in some detail actually, Claire Rucastle-Brown, uh, founder of the Srawak Report. We'd like to hear from you though. What are your thoughts? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We are talking today about the recent um, alleged abduction from a hospital of Tun Sri Taib Mahmud, but uh, Tun Taib Mahmud, sorry, uh, but also just kind of trying to get into the circumstances that may have led up to that moment to understand his role and place in 
through our society, such as it is, and uh, we are asking you for your thoughts. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now on this, we have Claire Rucastle Brown, founder of the Sarawak Report. Claire, thanks for speaking with us today. Hello, good evening. So before we get into the recent um, alleged abduction, let's first get a bit of background on the former governor because Taib's uncle was Abdul Rahman Yaqub, the third chief minister of Sarawak. And when Abdul Rahman retired, Taib rose to take his place in 1981. How did this shape his later political career? Well, um, I think Taib decided from day one that he would have to take total control over Sarawak uh, to implement um, the kind of government that he wished to. I think uh, he very quickly established himself as a extremely all-powerful character in Sarawak. He took over all the main offices of government. um, And in particular, he set up what was known as the um, Land Custody and Development Agent uh, Authority, which uh, set about appropriating um, vast areas of what had been uh, native customary lands. Um, and this became very controversial. Um, he rolled out vast timber concessions um, and plantation uh, licenses uh, to reward his his uh, business associates and politi- political allies. So he became a very powerful and controversial character. Now, Claire, uh, following that, how did Taib and his family's control and influence over Sarawak's economy grow? Do we have actually details on the companies and the fronts uh, that represent their interests over, you know, this decade-long tenure as the chief minister of the state? Well, that was a lot of the work that I did um, when I first started uh, my, my project, as it were, looking into Sarawak. Um, I started to um, look for and obtain what ought to have been public information, uh, namely uh, information about uh, grants uh, made by the state under his authority of lands and licenses and major contracts. Um, And I was very successful, actually, in obtaining some of this uh, land registry um, and forestry um, information that ought to have been available in any library or online um, and publicized. It. And what it showed was vast concessions uh, being handed out at peppercorn uh, nominal prices, if, if those if those prices were ever paid, uh, to family members of Taib. And of course, at the other end of this process, I was also able to identify um, uh, large foreign property um, uh, holdings by the Taib family, which we were able eventually to trace uh, back to money that had come from Malaysia. Um, naturally, um, in the hands of um, his his daughters and sons, um, cousins, brothers, um, all across the world. Um, and indeed, of course, um, I looked with others at the appropriation, the privatization of many sectors of Sarawak's economy that had gone into the hands of private companies owned by Tybe. Um, I've been very forthright along with others in articulating this. It was it was a mass purloining of um, the assets of the state. And how does Taib's second wife, Ragat Kurdi, come into the picture? 
Um, well, um, she came in after the death of, uh, actually, the, perhaps the most respected person in the entire family um, was Taib's first wife, Layla, who was always known to be delightful to everybody. She sadly died um, uh, just over 10 years ago. Um, and uh, I think Taib was, was considered to have rather fallen under the influence of his uh, favoured younger sister, Razia, and her Lebanese um, background uh, Australian husband. Um, and I think they probably decided that perhaps what was um, best for him was a new wife. And, um, and, and they did that through a rather traditional method, which was going on to what's known as the Middle Eastern marriage market. Um, uh, which um, Razia had, uh, sorry, the, the new wife Ragat had, had twice been married, um, and this was a third third engagement of this nature for her, and um, so she arrived and very quickly took control of Type. That's that's the view. But by this stage, Type had become um, more vulnerable. He was elderly. He was, you know, he many felt that he should have retired after thirty five years as chief minister. Um, but he was vulnerable. The view was that um, a bit of immunity would be very helpful for him. And, and the way that that was um, supposedly achieved um, was by kicking him upstairs to be governor. That was Najib. Um, his government uh, was regarded as being behind that decision and that move. Um, and um, the young Ragad came in as his consort. And the view, I think, is that she very quickly uh, became very powerful uh, within the governor's household. Now, it seems like uh, one of the things that's precipitated, uh, you know, the events of the last couple of days uh, has, in fact, been the uh, the change in the position of governor. Wanjanadi Tuanku Jaffa has become the governor of Sarawak. Uh, but there was some confusion as to when or if Tai Bamud, in, in fact, had resigned or if he was removed. What can you tell us about this and, you know, this particular moment and how it's impacted or maybe precipitated the events that we've seen over the last couple of days? Well, I think there's been a lack of information. And I, and I think this is this is part of it. You know, it's been a bit like watching, you know, everyone in Sarau, it's been glued by a sort of soap opera um, involving some of their most powerful and once most feared and powerful um, person in the state, um, Taib, appearing to... To, to suddenly become the vulnerable character. Um, Tide was visibly um, deteriorating as an elderly and um, sick man, um, and everyone could see this. And I think one of the problems has been um, the lack of transparency. Um, this tends to happen when you have a head of state um, where you know, regular and honest, transparent health uh, bulletins are not produced, um, you know, this gives way to concern and gossip. And there, there was nothing, nothing was being admitted about Taib's health, although it was evident to all that he was losing his um, mental capacity. I think it's fair to say we can have great respect for any elderly person that finds it harder to, um, to, to deal with the um, pressures of office. Um, but this was not being admitted. Um, and um, as a result, um, people had were forced to to rely on what could be gleaned. It became very clear that Taib had been removed from his family, his immediate family. Um, I gather now from the Sarawak media, there have been eight police reports regarding this. There is enormous concern and frustration. Um, Razia, uh, I believe, has not been allowed to see her brother since about 2014. Um, his daughter is apparently restricted from being able to see him. Um, and of course, in, in recent months, it's emerged that his, his sons... Um, 
have taken Ragad, the wife, to court because at the base of all this, of course, is a rivalry over who's going to get the enormous sums of money that are to be inherited from Taib. Um, and the sons have accused Ragad in court of having uh, diverted the uh, inheritance that Taib was administering of uh, uh, enormous amounts of assets that were in the will of um, Layla, the first wife, into her own name. Um, and there's a very strong view that uh, Taib may not have been capable um, to make such a decision um, just uh, a few weeks before this um, very, very sad situation has now arisen where he's he's plainly um not not well enough to 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 rise from his bed um so we have what what we have is almost total silence over what is clearly a, a battle raging behind the scenes both about money um and access um and um there was a total failure and refusal by the authorities to um uh, to admit that Tybe was ill. And in fact, I stuck my neck out. I, I, We knew he was ill. We knew he'd been taken by his wife to Turkey. We knew the family weren't getting access to him. And so I wrote about that and was was roundly um, threatened um, at the time, um, uh, you know, at, uh, late, uh, late last year for, for, for spreading false news. Um, the police um, and authorities then had to admit that Tybe had been ill. He was, uh, he was, uh, um, given a, a respite and then allegedly came back to his job, it was quite clear he couldn't do it. Um, and so very sadly, in rather undignified fashion, they just replaced him without making any announcements. Um, so, you know, transparency might have been a better way of handling it. So if we get into the alleged abduction that happened earlier this week, um, it has followed months of speculation, like we're talking about, about his health, his whereabouts, his familial relationships. What are some of the key events we need to know to better understand the situation? Well, I, I don't recognise the word abduction. That was not the word that was used by the hospital in the police report. They said that Ragat had absconded her husband. Mm. And I think the uh, I think the key point here was that um, uh, that she had done so against a, according to the hospital report, um, against uh, a notification by Type Son's lawyers, who had notified the hospital that he was not to be removed uh, without them being told. Um, and she defied that. Um, so the question is, who has, you know, who has um, most access and most legal guardianship over Tybe now, his second wife or his uh, children? Um, and um, I think that was the issue. And I think that's why the family have been filing police reports. They were they were unhappy that she should they felt that what she did against a uh, doctor's orders was was not the best for his health. Um, the the abduction idea, you know, I don't think anybody thinks he's been kidnapped out of the country. I think Razit, I think Ragad is, is you know, I, I can't see no reason why she would run off with Tybe. I think the question is whether she's trying to run off with more of Tybe's assets than the rest of the family thinks she has a right to. Yeah, I want to ask you about uh, your your sense of the way in which all this is being communicated, because I think the, the thing that you're telling us, uh, the essence of it is that there's a lack of transparency. Where does this come from? What you know is it part of Sarawak political culture not to be forthright about things that are undeniable? Yes, I think there's a sort of authoritarianism that um, you know really needs to be kind of pushed back against. I mean, I mean that's part of what I do. Um, you know, people have a right to know about the health of the person who they have elected, who is their public servant, um, being paid 
uh, to do a public job. Um, and if for some reason uh, they're not able to do it, then the boss, i.e. the public, are entitled to know. I mean, the King of England has just announced uh, to everyone, he'd probably rather not everyone knowing about his cancer situation, but he's announced it. Um, and um, everyone's been very sympathetic, you know. Um, so, so it's far better that, that uh, these things aren't kept secret. It's a sign of weakness. Um, and when threats are issued, um, you know, I'm used to being threatened. In fact, I've just apparently been sentenced to to more more um, months in prison than uh, Najib Razak seems to be lined up for um, over, over this matter. But you know, it really doesn't help to go on around threatening uh, people who are seeking to communicate. Um, what should be known. Claire, what are you anticipating might happen next in the situation? Well, I think, you know, I think we all have to accept that um, nature is taking its course and, um, uh, you know, and, and Taib will, um, will quite shortly uh, return to his maker. Um, it happens to us all and, and we all deserve respect, tranquility and the presence of those nearest and dearest to us. And I, I think no one would wish it on anyone um, to be separated from their family at this time. Um, and I, I do feel for the types. Um, I, you know, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible situation. Um, whatever criticisms one might have of the way he conducted his, his uh, role in Sarawak, um, he should have his children by his bedside. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate those sentiments, Claire. Not to get you into more trouble, uh, I believe you had that two-year sentence uh, in abstention. The question really is, what about the assets? Whose money is that? And is there, need, is there a need for an accounting of, you know, who those assets truly belong to? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, people have called consistently for um, a proper investigation into Taib's totally unaccounted wealth. Um, he's been on a public salary, which everyone has known about, all his life, and yet he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet. It's The, the, the assets are there. He, he's worth billions. Um, we are now seeing um, uh, uh, we're investigations into the um, assets and wealth of other uh, political, past political figures in Malaysia, and I think it is high time uh, that the authorities in Malaysia bit the bullet um, with these assets of Taib. Um, clearly, he is beyond the reach of the law. He will he will he will settle with his his maker. Um, but um, these assets are now under ferocious dispute, and it is time for the authorities to move in. The courts should freeze them, um, and then the actual actual origins of those assets. Uh, should be um, considered before any any of them are distributed to to any of these family members, because um, if if um, the the um, the various uh, assets that are being looked at and the shares uh, the cash as we have seen, um, you know all of this if it belongs to the people of Sarawak then it should be retained uh, for the public use. Claire, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. That was Claire Rucastle-Brown, founder of the Sarawak Report, talking to us about um, the recent events surrounding Tun Taib Mahmud and um, the, the ongoing 
a parent power struggle. Um, we would like to ask you, what are your thoughts? You can share them with us. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for your comments uh, and to continue the story after the 5.30 news. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.